Uh, I just received word that uh, one of our members, their mom, actually passed away this morning. And so would you just join me in a a prayer? Heavenly Father, um, we just come to you uh, once again this morning. And I just pray, God, that you would wrap your loving arms around Mark Bohenick and his daughters and his family. And God, that you would just minister to them at this time. May they know, um, God, just how much you love them and how much we are here for them. And God, today is the day as we celebrate moms. We know it can be so difficult for so many. And so once again, God, we just ask for your presence and your peace to be with us. We love you and we thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me in that. Uh, Good morning. morning. It is so good to see so many of you, some familiar faces, some new faces, some faces we haven't seen in a while. Maybe you're here, uh, you came with mom. Thank you so much for being with us today. And again, if we haven't had a chance to meet, I'd love to meet you after the service. Thanks to all of you that are watching on our live stream. You're joining us uh, via the web. We're so glad to have you follow along. Uh, As we're continuing this sermon series called Foundations, these core things uh, that we believe and confess as a congregation, as a church. And as I said, May is a really big month for us. There's just so many things that are going on uh, in our church life. And today we've put together a very special Mother's Day service for you. All right, and uh, we're going to hear from Trisha Mayhew, our family director. You're going to kind of hear her life story, her journey, and what God has been doing in her life. Uh, she's been part of our staff uh, just for the last 11 months. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Galatians. So I'd invite you to turn uh, to the chair Bibles. You can grab them. They're right in front of you. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. And it's page 974 if you have your own Bible, Galatians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, uh, would you do us a favor and take the one home that you're holding right now? We would love to give you that as a gift today. Uh, But we're going to look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. This is a scripture that's actually foundational to what we believe as a church, what we believe about what it is that God has done for us. Again, how he's always working his perfect plan and will in our lives And so this is what it says, starting in verse 4, it says this, but when the fullness of time had come, or another way to say it is, at just the right time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Now think about that, the important role, and we all know that women play in our lives, that God chose Mary, Jesus' mom, to be the person that that would be there, to watch over Jesus, to, to be there as he goes through the stages of life, even watching him die on the cross. But God set forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, right? She was the sinner just like the rest of us, but that to redeem those who were under the law so that we may receive adoption as sons. And so God does this incredible thing for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, what's so interesting about this word adoption is it's not really used too much in the Old Testament. In fact, it's only used three times. You might know of some characters, Moses. Moses was adopted. There's some other characters. But really, it's kind of a New Testament term. And it's a term, uh, Paul, the, the writer of a lot of the books in the Old Testament, a lot of the letters in the New Testament, that he actually uses over and over and over again to describe our relationship with God. That we are lost. That we're dead in our sins. And it's only when God comes to us through Jesus Christ and he adopts us that he brings us into his family and he wipes away all of our sins and he makes us his own. He makes us his children. And it's this incredible blessing that God does for us. In fact, in the letter to Ephesians, Paul said it this way, even as he chose us in him, think about this, before the world was ever created, you and I were chosen. 
God knew that we would be born. God knew that we would be living right here and now before he ever created the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. But in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, because it's the praise of his glorious grace, what he has done for us, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you haven't been in church in a while, or maybe you feel far from God or you're not even sure where you're at with your relationship with God, I want you to hear it again. God never stops pursuing you. God knew that you were going to be born. God placed you in the family that he did. God gave you the mother and the women in your life and the influences that you have to point you to Jesus, to show you who God is and how valuable you are. And so if you're here and you're alive and you're breathing, know that there is a God that created you and a God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem you. And he wants to be in relationship and fellowship with you. And one of the things we've been talking about all year long, and we're going to hear this every single week, all year long, right, is own your influence. And what better influences in our lives than our moms, amen? amen? Right, you guys are some of the most amazing people on the planet. What you do, how you do it, the way that you're able to do that, we recognize that you are a gift from God to us and the impact that you've had on others because of the influence that God has given you. And so our theme for today is this, is that God weaves together the tapestry of our lives in surprising and unseen ways. And if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, just so you know, nobody in here has it together. No one actually has it figured out. We're all sinners. We all screw up. We all get this thing called life wrong, but we're so glad we have a God and a Savior who loves us so much that he never gives up on us. In fact, I'll prove it to you this morning. You ready? How many of you, you have the perfect life and you have no stress and everything's just gone according to plan? <laughs> One person. We'll talk to her about her theology after the service, all right? <laughs> so everybody in here has experienced hardships in their lives? Everyone's had things that have come up that have surprised you and things that have, you know, haven't gone the way that you wanted or hoped or dreamed, but yet you went through the storm, you went through the difficulty, and somehow God never let go of you and God constantly weaved his plan in your life. That's the hope that we hold on to. That's where we get our strength is from God, not from ourselves, but from our, our loving and gracious God. And so this morning, you're going to hear this incredible power. It's going to blow you away, this powerful testimony from our family director, Trisha Mayhew, and the journey that God has had her on, especially these last three years. Will you give Trisha a hand as she comes? <laughs> now, some of you, you might have been here last July. When she first came, she'd only been here a month. She started on staff in June. And so how many of you were here when she spoke, when she gave her life verse? And kind of, so that's cool. So some of you have an idea. Some of you may not. So Trisha, just tell everyone here this morning a little bit about yourself. So I'm originally from Texas. My family moved around a lot when I was a kid, but we kind of settled in Texas, and I was mostly raised there. And a lot of little girls, maybe ladies, when you were a little girl and your parents asked you, what are you going to be when you grow up? Because that's what we like to ask children. They'll say, oh, I want to be a nurse. Or I want to be a teacher. Not me. I was a kid that my life dream was to be an over-the-road truck driver. And my parents were thrilled. And not, this is not like when I was three and I liked Tonka trucks, like through middle school, y'all. And so then in middle school, I finally decided, well, maybe I better get it together and have a career that might have more options. And so I decided I would be a dolphin trainer. And that was much more attainable, except I actually went to college for it. <laughs> 
So I have a degree in biology and chemistry and then another one in wildlife and fishery sciences. And yeah, I've been a youth minister my whole life. So it's kind of the same middle school boys in wildlife. It's the same principles. <laughs> so they smell the same, that's for sure. <laughs> so God kind of worked through that and I ended up serving at a camp um, in camping ministry for a year and then at one congregation in Texas for 16 years before I came here. Wow, so three years ago, you're a single woman serving full-time in a church with an incredible degree. That's so <laughs> odd. Did you fish a lot? Yeah. You did. So you, you, you avidly fish? <laughs> I do. I didn't ask you that at 8.30. That's cool. <laughs> I can't catch a fish to save my life, so maybe you can help me with the boys. That would be maybe. awesome. We'll see. <laughs> so then God began three years ago to begin to stir something in your heart and in your life. And so tell us a little bit about what God began to do. Yeah, so... In Texas, I served as something called a CASA, which is, they don't have this role in Michigan, but if you know anything about the child welfare system, you know that everyone in that system has an agenda. And everyone says it's for the best of the child, but it's not really. So Texas created a volunteer position called a CASA, where the judge, a judge would appoint a volunteer to advocate for a family, a sibling group of foster kids throughout their time in foster care. And so that job is to tell the judge what's really going on without any bias and without looking for out what's best for you, but really what's best for the child. So I did that for five years and really loved it, but then realized that there was more space in my finances and in my home, and I could do more for kids. And so I went through the whole process and opened my home to be a foster parent in February of 2017. Because God is very clear to us in James 1, he tells us that the religion that he sees, that God our Father sees as pure and faultless is this, those who take care or look after the widows and the orphans in their distress. And so it's really hard to argue with scripture that is that clear about what our job as Christians is in the lives of widows and of orphans and abandoned and abused children. So there I was, 36, single, um, working at a church, which is you know, a little bit time consuming and stressful. And um, I was raised by a single mom. And so I knew that that was gonna be fraught with lots of challenges. And so it was a difficult decision of, was I going to place myself in the role that my mom had had to play for all those years? Was I going to place kids that would be in my home in that type of role as well? Uh, but I knew that if God had led me to this, that he was going to stay with me through the whole process. And so I became licensed, and my first um, child that was placed in my home came actually through a dear friend of mine who I'd known for many years, and she had been fostering this baby for about six months. And um, that child would end up being my daughter, Callie. Which is absolutely incredible, right? So you're on this journey, on this path, you make this big, bold step, and so you think, okay, this is the future. You're going to be fostering kids. You know, what does that look like for your future? But then what happens next? So then after 36 years, I met this guy named Robert. <laughs> and that was really great timing. <laughs> so um, Robert and I started dating in that summer, and he had a son from a previous marriage. So he was a teenager, about to be a teenager. He was 12 at the time. And so I ended up meeting Jonathan that fall, and Robert met Callie that fall as well, which I wasn't nervous to meet Jonathan. I'd been a youth minister for 15 years at that point, so I speak teenager pretty well. So that wasn't stressful. But having Jonathan meet Callie really was, because he'd been an only child his whole life. Callie was a foster child. It wasn't a normal situation. We didn't know what her future was going to hold. But we had them meet, and we took them to the zoo for the first time that they would ever meet. And Jonathan took to Callie like his long-lost sister. He wouldn't let anyone else push the stroller. He would get her in and out and show her all of the animals all by himself. And, um, yeah, so Robert and I knew that maybe it was going to be okay. 
So this is a good sign, right? Like this is going to lead toward maybe God's calling you guys to, to get married, to become husband and wife. You're at your church, you're at your church that you've been through at a long time. You were, helped there, you were there to help plant that church. And then all of a sudden, this church in Shelby Township, Michigan, calls you and turns your world all upside down again. So maybe walk us through that process. It was a, it's a crazy story. Uh, because there are some people who, when, they, when God is telling them to do something or moving them in a different direction, they hear him in the quiet of the morning or in the gentle nudges of the Holy Spirit. But I am just much less spiritual, I guess, because I don't. Uh, I need runway lights and fireworks and a map <laughs> and really explicit directions. And sometimes even then, I'm like, no. <laughs> so my extended family and I always go on vacation every year together. We always had. We've gone lots of places. So we've been to New England to see the leaves in the fall and been to Hawaii in the spring. And so in 2017, my mom and my uncle decided they wanted to retrace their steps from where they had spent their summers when they were kids, which was in Michigan. And so I was not super excited about that. It didn't really seem like a great vacation, but, you know, of course I would go to support my family. And so there we were in Michigan. It was over around Halloween. My uncle and I were sitting on the balcony of our hotel room and we were talking about, well, if you had to live in Michigan, which town that we had been to would you want to live in? And I had claimed Petoskey as my town. So um, we're going to plant a Shepherd's Gate Petoskey at some point, and that's going to be my church. So I had just claimed Petoskey. And my phone rang, and it was Mike Little from Shepherd's Gate who was calling to ask if I would go through the call process for this church outside of Detroit. So when I hung up, my uncle and I thought this was hilarious, like, who lives outside of Detroit? And <laughs> not me. And what a funny coincidence, right, that I'm in Michigan when this happens. So that was in the middle of the week, and then a day or two later, while I'm still in Michigan, I get another phone call from the same area code, and this time it's someone from Trinity in Utica who's asking if I would be on their cult list and go through the process. So then that got a little weird that like two churches, a couple of miles apart, that's just really bizarre. So I went back home and I was back in Texas. A couple of weeks went by and I got a third call from that area code. And this was peace in Shelby Township asking <laughs> if I would come there. And so then in the next couple of weeks, I got another call, one from Nebraska and one, another one from Texas. So I was on five call lists all at the same time. And that is just, that's not, that's unheard of. That is not how it works in, in church ministry, especially if you're not looking to leave to go to another church. So I think at this point I had to really own up to the fact that God was laying down some runway lights and maybe there was some fireworks over Macomb County. Maybe. <laughs> it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. And here you guys are, you're talking about getting married. You're trying to figure out what this whole process looks like. And then where's Callie in this whole process? Yeah, so Callie, back in November of that year, CPS had decided, 2017, CPS decided that they were going to send her back to live with her biological mom. And Callie had been in foster care already for over a year, and she hadn't had any contact with her at all since she was six months old. Um, but the CPS worker wanted to send her back. And so no one else in the case did. None of the attorneys, the judge, no one else wanted to send her back to live with her mom. And so at their advice or pleading, um, I had to hire my own attorney to try to fight for her to keep her safe. And so four days before Robert and I got married, we went through a mediation with Callie and with her mom and with all the attorneys and everybody. And it basically boils down to that Callie was going to be returned to her mom and live with her mom starting on April 1st of 2018. And that it would be like we were divorced. So her mom had her and we would get custody of her one weekend a month 
couple weeks in the summer, Christmas or Thanksgiving and spring break. Mm -hmm. But we would also have access to all of our teachers and our doctors and be able to talk with them. And so that was how we were best going to be able to keep her safe and stay in her life um, at the time. And so as a part of that, her mom made the choice when we were doing the settlement. Her mom offered that if, because CPS was going to stay for six months and monitor her and do drug tests and make sure everything was safe, and that if she failed that monitored period of that six months, which meant that if CPS came and had to take Callie away from her again, her mom offered that then she would relinquish her rights right away and we would be able to adopt Callie, which we didn't think that would happen. Um, but she offered that and that was part of our settlement. So everyone signed off on it um, and that's what, what would end up happening. And so four days later, Robert and I, with this fresh um, losing of knowing that we were gonna lose Callie, got married. Um, in the Ozark Mountains with our family and friends there. Um, and it was wonderful, but we did that knowing that three weeks later, Callie was leaving. Um, and so they let her stay with us for the wedding then. Hmm. And so then we knew that if we were going to move to Michigan, that it was going to make that settlement be really, really difficult because the financial implications of trying to fly Robert and Jonathan and I back to Texas for one weekend for 48 hours every month was astronomical for three plane tickets once a month. And then for me to be able to take off one Sunday a month to go back and visit her is a little difficult when you work for church. Um, <laughs> and to do that for 16 years, it's just, it's not manageable. It's not reality, but that's what we had. And we didn't know what would that look like long-term if Callie's mom was able to stay sober and was able to raise her, how would that work? But Robert and I just prayed and prayed and knew that no matter what it looked like on paper, that God wanted us to stay as much in Callie's life as we could for whatever we could to keep her safe. And so we knew that moving to Michigan would mean one of two things. <clears throat> that first, it might mean that it was a way for us to have a fresh start and for us to be able to be in a house where we hadn't raised Callie, mm -hmm. where she wasn't in every room and her memory wasn't everywhere and where there weren't people asking me every day, how is Callie? Or it could have meant that we were coming to Michigan so that we would prepare a place for her to come later where it'd be safe, where she would be thousand miles away from her biological family instead of just a few hours. But we had no idea which one of those two things it would be if we came. And it's absolutely incredible. So here you are, five calls, five different churches, which you could have declined them all. You could have just stayed where you were, you were happy where you were, and yet you guys get married, you pack up everything, and you move to the great white north, right? <laughs> to Michigan. Uh, Jonathan, imagine this, he's, a, he's an eighth grader, which is one of the hardest years to transition a kid at that age, and so he's starting in a new school, and here you arrive at Shepherd's Gate in June of 2018 to begin this you know, new journey together and not even sure what's going to happen with Callie. So then what happened next? Well, life goes on, right? Mm -hmm. it doesn't, the world doesn't stop when you have a tragedy. And so we moved in June. I went back in, for a weekend in July to visit Callie by myself. And then August came, and Robert and Jonathan and I all flew back to visit with Callie because CPS was about to close her case. We were within about a week of, her clo of them closing it and walking away from Callie and her case. And so Robert and I talked a lot about how this is probably the last time that we would see Callie for many months or probably years because we knew that as soon as CPS was out of the picture, her mom was not going to honor the custody agreement and we would have to get the courts and the police and everybody back involved again to be able to get access to her. And so we knew that that was 
probably going to be the end of it. And so we enjoyed the time that we had, right? So we had everybody down there. We let the kids be together and play and um, hmm. spend that time as a family. And then that Sunday, um, I, we put her in the back of our rental car and she fell asleep. And we were taking her back to her mom, and I sang every lullaby that I had sung to her a thousand times. Sang it over her one last time in the car, praying that God would keep her safe, that he would be with her, but that Callie would hear those words and remember those words so that more than anything, she would remember that Jesus loved her. Mm -hmm. And when she was away from me, that she would be able to sing those songs to herself and know that even though I wasn't with her, daddy wasn't with her, that Jesus was with her and that he loved her. And I prayed and prayed and prayed over her on that ride. And I will never forget for the rest of my life the sound of her screaming when I handed her back to her mom that day. So not only did you have to trust that God was leading and guiding your family to make this insane move, let's just, let's just call it what it is, this insane move to Michigan, but also that God was going to lead and guide and watch over and protect Callie, who God had brought into your life. And so here you go, there's, there, there's, uh, you're trying to get your new rhythm, your new routine, being here in Michigan, and then what happens? So we flew home, because still life moves on, and... Um, we had friends from Texas who that week drove up from Texas to come and visit us. They said it was to see our new house, but I'm pretty sure it was because they were making sure I wasn't losing my mind, which I probably was. Um, so they drove up and they arrived on Thursday night of that week. And so Friday we didn't really, I mean, we've been here like two months. We didn't know anything. So people had told us about this chicken place in Frankenmuth. So we thought, <laughs> try that. Uh, so... We go to Frankenmuth and we're checking it all out and um, all of us were there and we're kind of wandering around and my phone rang and it was a Texas area code and I don't know about you guys, but I have a Texas area code still and so I never answer phone numbers that are from you know, your area code but you don't know them because it's always a scam or whatever. So I never answered the phone, but I did. I randomly answered the phone <laughs> and it was the CPS supervisor who was on Callie's case and so as soon as she said her name, I stopped breathing because I was sure she was going to tell me that Callie's mom had killed her. And she didn't. She said, Trisha, we removed Callie from her mom this morning. And according to the paperwork, she's yours. Can you come get her? Because it's Friday and I want to go home. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have the best relationship, me and that CPS supervisor. Uh, so, um, of course, my husband and son were in the bathroom when this happened. And so this is a picture that my uh, friends shot of me then trying to explain to my husband what's going on. Um, and so there we are on the street of Frankenmuth. We were in front of like where the horse carriages go. And so I'm finally like explaining it to him. And the sweet girl who does the horse carriages turned around and goes, I think you just got a baby. Can I give you a hug? <laughs> It was very sweet. Um, and so we jump in the car, and um, so we drove all the way down to the airport, and I am super lazy, and so I, if my husband is with me. I don't like to carry my purse because he has a wallet, and I just make him pay for everything. And so I almost didn't even have my purse that day. I grabbed it at the last minute. I went back in the house to get it. I wouldn't have even had my license to get on hmm. an airplane. And so we drove straight to the airport. I got on. We bought a ticket on the way, and I um, grabbed, wow. got on with just my my purse and everything that was it and so meanwhile everyone in texas had of course gone to 
gotten into action. And so my mom had gone and driven all the way to where Callie was and they let her have, pick her up. And so I made my mom send me this like proof of life picture <laughs> that she was alive and she was okay. And my mom had her and CPS did not. <laughs> um, and so she sent me this picture of her that day to show me that she was safe. So I got there and I was so thrilled to see my baby. She was okay. She was healthy ish. Um, and she was going to be okay. And so there was an emergency hearing the next week where I went in expecting to sign the adoption paperwork and be done. And mm -hmm. Robert had already bought two plane tickets for us to fly home that night on the last flight out. And it didn't go that way because we got to court. And even though we had a signed mediated settlement with the judge's signature and the DA's signature and everyone else on it, Callie's mom refused to sign her rights away. And the district attorney refused to honor what she had signed and submitted to the court. And so not only that, she wouldn't even let her leave the state of Texas to come home hmm. with me. So that night I had to leave her in Texas and get on the plane to come back to work. Um, wow. And Callie stayed home with my mom and our family in Texas. Um, and the very messy legal battle started that day. CPS tried to remove her from my family and put her with a brand new foster family during all of it. And um, hmm. six weeks went on and eventually we got to a new mediated settlement that kind of flipped what we had. So it gave us, on October 1st, we got legal permanent custody of Callie for the wow. rest of her life. And her mom still has parental rights and has the opportunity to visit with her three times a year. She just has to pass a drug test the week before. She has not been able to do that yet. Um, so she has not seen Callie since then. Wow, and that was just this, yeah. <laughs> You come here in June, this is October, and it, it, you know, sometimes in this Christian life, this Christian journey, it's so hard to understand why we go through what we go through and why God allows, uh, you know, you, you feel like you're getting, you're right there at the end zone, and then you just get stopped at the one-yard line, but yet somehow God is always weaving his plan. And as you know, as followers of Jesus, you know, our, our heart isn't just for Callie, but it's also for her mom. And we know she's caught up in this addiction and how terrible and awful that is. And how, how did you and Robert navigate that, you know, wanting to make sure that, that Callie was uh, safe and that she's being protected, but also, uh, you know, showing love and Christian care for her mom? Yeah, absolutely. I went into foster care with my eyes wide open because I'd been a CASA for all of those years. And so... Robert and I have said from the very beginning that if Callie could be safe, her mom deserves to raise her. That's her right. Mm -hmm. But Callie hasn't been safe. Callie's mom has been caught in this drug addiction since she was 14 when her mom introduced her to drugs. And so it's a family cycle. Mm -hmm. um, she hasn't been able to break it yet. It's our prayer that she will eventually and that she'll be able to be a part of Callie's life in a mm -hmm. safe way, but she hasn't yet. So we know We've always felt that God has put us in Callie's life to keep her safe, whatever that means for her life. Wow. And now knowing, now knowing what you know now about uh, Trisha's journey and just all of the things that they've been through these last 11 months, you would say, God, you've probably given that family enough to deal with. Amen? Amen. Right? But that's not what God decided to do. No, so yeah. tell them what happened next. So that was in October. So then in January... We paid off my husband's 2015 Toyota Highlander, which I know is like a bad word around here. I'm sorry. We bought it in Texas. <laughs> um, so we pe finally paid off the, the SUV. We put $1,000 in snow tires on it. And then in January, it blew up and lit our house on fire. So, yeah. <laughs> 
So in January, we had a house fire because of the tr that, and so then we bought a, a Dodge, so I feel like we're safe now. Uh, <laughs> now we have a truck. Jim yeah. Rickert, that was for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and not just that, Callie has a little brother, and her little brother was living with her mom this whole time. He was removed when Callie was in August, so he's been in foster care ever since then, and we've always known that there were kind of two paths that could lead us to getting to being able to legally adopt Callie. Um, and so one of those would be if the courts decided to involuntarily terminate her mom's rights on her brother, then you can kind of do the siblings together. And so the courts just Monday, so six days ago, decided to set a court date to do that. So they're pursuing termination on her mom for her brother's case. And so that may open the door um, to us being able to legally adopt Callie. So the story continues. So they definitely need prayer. Uh, Callie's mom needs prayer. Even the, this situation uh, with the possibility of her brother, because that, that's a huge, again, it's a, God is just, he just has a lot of trust and faith and really loves putting you through. Um, and most people, let's be honest, if we were going through something like that, it would be like, maybe Michigan wasn't the right move, right? <laughs> Maybe we should just pack up and move back to Texas, move back to kind of your community, your friendships, you know, your mom's down there and all of that. But yet you didn't do that. You, you persevered. You guys continue to pray. And so what encouragement would you give us today of just this whirlwind of these last 11 months and just the faithfulness of God? You know, life every week is an adventure for me. So um, if yours is too, join the club. You never know what it's going to be. But Robert and I, a kid that we've lived through 10 or 20 years of marriage in our first year of marriage, um, and for better or worse, right? We're ready for the better. Um, no. We had an incredible system of support in Texas of our family and friends and our church family there. We were really close. I'd been there 16 years. And so moving here, it's just been Robert and Jonathan and I for the last 11 months. And so our family has been knit together in ways that would normally take years for a family to bond together hmm. because it's really hard to bicker about stupid stuff when you're literally fighting for your daughter and your sister's life um, so i hope hmm. i know that our family has a different perspective on what family is and on the fragility of it and how important every moment is because you don't know when you if you're going to get the next one or what it's going to look like and i hope that that affects all of us for the rest of our lives and affects our kids that's great that's awesome well, I know on behalf of our church, we are so grateful that you're here. Thank you for saying yes to Shepherd's Gate <laughs> with all these other churches. Uh, yeah. It's been absolutely awesome to just watch her in, in her role that God has created and gifted her for. And we know God has even more in store for her future and even what God is going to call us as a community to do, to come alongside you, to support you, uh, to be here for you. Because I know these people, they're some of the most incredible people. So thank you for your openness and your transparency and Robert and just even being willing to share such a personal uh, part of your life and your journey. So can we just uh, thank Trisha again for, for sharing this morning. And uh, Jeff Heisner, our video guy that uh, the district office uh, decided to give a full-time job to, we made him make one last video, and so he made a video with Trisha and, and her family. So we want you to watch this because this just really uh, encapsulates this morning. So let's watch this together. Four little Callies jumping on a bed. 
One fell off and bumped its head. Mommy called the doctor and the doctor said, No more <laughs> This old nursery rhyme seems all too appropriate for Trisha and Callie Mayhew. The moral, trust in Ma, and she'll keep you safe. It smells good. Does it? Yeah, it does, a little bit. Around Mother's Day last year, life was a whirlwind of change for the Mayhews. Trisha and Callie welcomed Robert and his son into their family as Trisha and Robert got married. So he was willing to marry a woman who was a single mom to a little girl with kind of an unknown future. Trisha received a call and got a new job at Shepherd's Gate Church in Michigan. That meant a move across country. Then there was Callie. Take a bath in one big tub with soap all over, scrub, scrub, scrub! Trisha had been fostering her for a while now, parenting, caring for, and loving her. Callie's mom has some drug issues and her dad is um, kind of in and out of prison and has drug issues as well. And so we, I officially got custody of her when she was right at a year old for the first time. Callie would not be joining them on their new Michigan adventure. Her biological mom won a custody decision and got her back. Callie came into foster care when she was six months old because of neglect and because her mom made um, threats of murdering her and was trying to follow through on it. And so that's why she originally came into foster care. Against everyone's wishes who was a part of the case except for the CPS caseworker, Callie went back to her mom and um, her mom's boyfriend. Trisha and Robert fought to keep Callie in their lives. They hired a lawyer, won a decision, and despite the distance, they would visit her once a month to make sure she was safe, knowing that with them was where Callie was meant to be. With broken hearts and an empty crib, they leaned on God and prayed. We had to trust. It was the only way is just to keep praying. I'd pray every night, God, just keep her safe. A couple of months later, Child Protective Services checked up on Callie and finally visited her home things were not good. Two weeks before her case would have been dismissed, um, the caseworker, her CPS caseworker, said that she felt like God woke her up that morning and said, you need to go and check on those kids. Meanwhile, Trisha and Robert were in Frankenmuth with friends when they got a call. So we had gone up to Frankenmuth for the day and we were just kind of walking around looking at all the shops and everything. And um, you yeah, know, really that was a good mental break for us because we knew that the, the clock was ticking and it was almost at, at, uh, at zero. And so then we got a, a phone call and uh, I was kind of down a little bit, about maybe you know, a couple hundred yards behind. And um, I can just see Trisha just stop and just freeze. And by the time I get to her, she grabs my arm and, and she's just all ecstatic. And she said that, you know, that they um, you had to remove her again and that we have custody and that she's at the CPS office in Texas. And so we just have to go down there. And it, I mean, it was just a literal you know, blur, the, the drive from Frankenmuth down to the airport. And um, you know, we had our, our good friends Matt and Dee with us, and, and Matt's driving, and Dee's in the back um, you know, with Trisha trying to get everything coordinated. I'm on the phone getting airline tickets and everything done just so we can get down there. Uh, and we literally, we left Frankenmuth, went straight to, to the airport, and Trisha just got to go there and see her that night and hold her, and you know, just everything felt right once again. She's happy to be back with us and be back with her big brother, and so it's gone great. That's a good elephant. <laughs> she's doing great in school. She's you know flourishing. She's just it's like she never left. Um, you know it's amazing how God can just restore things like that. Trisha was recently asked about fostering and to share her advice. Definitely pray about it because it is such an emotional roller coaster. But there is such a need, and um, each child that God has made is precious and they are worth it. 
And so there's never a perfect time and there's never a perfect situation. Um, some people worry about how it'll affect their own children, their biological children, but it is just such an enriching thing for you to be able to serve and really be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah, yeah you do. Wow. What a difference a year makes from one Mother's Day to the next. There was so much worry of what was going on on that day um, and on every day, um, last Mother's Day. But this Mother's Day, she's home, Jonathan's home. Um, all my little ducklings are under one roof. So it's good, it's really good. We know she's safe and she's with her mommy and her daddy. And that's how it should be on Mother's Day. So three years ago on Mother's Day, I was 36 and single, and I loved children. I'd been serving them for years, but I thought I'd never have kids of my own. And then two years ago on Mother's Day, I was a brand new single mom trying to figure out how to parent a one-year-old baby that would not sleep. One year ago on Mother's Day, at the 8.30 service, I was in the back row back here. Robert and I were here house hunting, and I remember bawling listening to Miss Dona read a beautiful poem about moms and spiritual mothers while my stepson was in Texas with his mom and my daughter was in a homeless shelter. And this year, my kids are both here. They're here and they're together. And it's such a blessing. But at the same time, I know that that means there's two moms in Texas who are missing a piece of their heart. Jonathan is not with his mom today. She still lives in Texas. He's gonna see her soon and all is well with that, but he's not with her today. And Callie's mom, hasn't seen her or had any contact with her since last September. This week, she found out she's probably losing her son forever. Her daughter calls me mommy, and I rock her to sleep at night. And the gravity of that is not lost on me. So wherever you are on that spectrum, whether you have birthed children, you've adopted children, you want to have children, I see you and I have been you on Mother's Day, and I know how it feels. But God is not done with you, and he's not done with your story. God weaves together the tapestry of our lives in surprising and unseen ways, and God is still weaving your story. If you're someone who has placed a child for adoption, or your child has already passed away, God sees you, we see you on Mother's Day. God is not done with you yet either, and he loves you. No matter how long your tapestry is, there is more to come to that tapestry. Sometimes we have to turn around and look at it in the rearview mirror to see how God is weaving it together, but he is. He's not done with you yet. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray, and if you're here with a special woman in your life, whether that's your mom, your grandma, your aunt, your wife, someone that's poured into your life, would you grab her hand now for a minute while we pray? If there's a bunch of you, then come around her and lay your hands on her. And would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you, God, that you have given us moms. 
whatever that looks like for each of us, Lord, whether it's a mom that gave birth to us, a mom that is our stepmom who stepped in where someone else didn't, whether it's a grandma, whether it's an aunt, it's a teacher that we remember, it's someone that's poured into our life. Jesus, thank you for that role that, that we have had someone play. God, we thank you for the sacrifices that you see in the middle of the night. We thank you for the things that each woman does unseen, that the worries that are poured out to you. Lord, we know that you hear them. And God, Mother's Day can be such a joyous day, and it can also be such a tough day. God, for those who today is a joyous day, God, be in the laughter and the joy and the hugs and the remembering and the giggles of new newborns. And God, for those who it's a hard day because of loss and because of dreams and desires that we haven't seen be met yet, God, be with those. Be with those in their hurt. Let them know how much you love them. Above all, Lord, remind us of your love, that it is bigger and better than any other love that's out there. We put all of these prayers in your hands, Lord, knowing that you hear them. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Hear this benediction today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. We're going to close today with the song, More to Come, and I want you to remember that, that there is more to come to your story. However long your story is, however short it is, there is more to come, and God is weaving it together. Let's worship.